Hello and welcome to season three of Who You Don't See, the podcast celebrating the people behind the stars. From choreographers and stylists to makeup artists and video directors, if they're part of a celebrity's team, we're all about getting to know them. I'm your host, Megan Lawton, and this season we're taking you back to the 90s and noughties, a time of low-rise jeans, frosted lip gloss and Von Dutch caps. Our guest this week is the insanely talented Julianne Kay, makeup artist to the stars. I never, <laughs> I never told anybody I did the denim. You know, I did the makeup for that because I always thought, oh my God, that look is so cheesy, blah, blah, blah. And then um, one of my assistants said, you did the denim look? Cast your minds back to 1999 when a little known pop star called Britney Spears was starting her career. Behind her was Julianne, just 24 at the time and tasked with doing Britney's hair and makeup on a world tour. Spoiler, she smashed it. Remember that iconic double denim red carpet moment for Britney and Justin? The makeup was Jules's doing and it took just 20 minutes. Makeup aside, we talk about Britney's conservatorship and chats about the whole host of other celebs she's done glam for, including Beyonce, Mariah and the Hadids. Enjoy. Julianne, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited to be on. So we always start the podcast in my favorite place. We're in a bar. I'm going to set the scene. We've got, I don't know, a Negroni in hand. And say somebody comes up to you and the conversation starts and they ask you what you do for a job. What would you say? Uh, well, I tell people I do makeup, which always um, gets received in very different ways. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. For, I would say, well, are you able to do my makeup? I'd yes, immediately always, be conscious of my own face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, usually when it's a guy, um, it, like if I'm at a party or wherever, any like a bald guy will say, what can you do for this? And they point to their head. It's always the same stupid joke. <laughs> Um, or then they'll be like, oh, what can you do for me? And I'm like, ha ha, smoky eye, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then um, that's a new one. <laughs> yeah, that's a new one. And then, you know, in the past, uh, before people really knew what makeup artists did, people would always ask if I'd like to practice on them, which I thought was really funny. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, and <laughs> I would an say <laughs> to an actor, would you like to do a monologue in my living room? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a real no. job. <laughs> so when or do you ever mention the celebrity factor? Um, you know, if we get to talking about, well, people will always say, well, oh, do you work for the studios? So I will say, yes, I I've done uh, movies, television, but I mostly do editorial and red carpet and, um, you know, things like that. Yeah, basically, read between the lines, you doll up all of Hollywood's finest. <laughs> right, and I just try to say it very, like, n n nicely. <laughs> humbly, humbly. <Very> humbly. <laughs> so you have been in the business of doing makeup since the 90s. Take me right back to the start of your career. How did you get started in being a makeup artist, and then how did you get your mitts on the face of a celebrity? Oh, God, if you could see my face when you said the 90s. <laughs> I, I did, like, the big eye emoji. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I feel so old. Yeah. So I, no, um, you're experienced, yeah, very experienced. <laughs> so years ago, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. My dad is a, a hairstylist. He's actually British. He came over in the sixties with Fidel Sassoon. So, you know, I grew up in the hair, in a hair salon environment and my mother was, um, a designer. So there's a lot of 
creative juices in the house. And, you know, I just, I left high school. I said, I, I don't know what it is. I know I want to do some really cool, great artistic stuff, but it's just not with books, you know, or college or anything like that. So to my parents' dismay, <laughs> I went to work in a hair <laughs> salon uh, as a receptionist and this lady came in and she was like, you know, I used to have fun with my makeup and she was like, oh, you know, you should, you should look into being a makeup artist. You're really talented. And I didn't even realize that was a job. You know, I mean, I, I just didn't think of it as a career. And, um, I just decided to look into makeup school. So I went to school for special effects because I thought that would be niche and fun. And so, you know, I ended up, um, doing really crappy horror films <laughs> for a few years. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Yeah, for like $100 a day, 12 hours a day. Like, I definitely paid my dues. But um, it just wasn't really fulfilling me. So, you know, in between movies, I was working at this hair salon, and the owner's wife was a makeup artist. So she, you know, asked me to assist her on a few things. And I was like, Jesus, like... I could get paid a lot of money to not make people look dead. And, <laughs> you know, and I really enjoyed assisting her. And she, we were doing sketchers and all sorts of things. And I was making more money in one day as her assistant than I was uh, two weeks doing a movie. So wow. I, it was like baptismal fire. We were just working with Britney Spears and Britney wasn't, you know, super famous. It was like her second music video or something. And she said, do you want to go on tour with her? baby one more time. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I was 24 years old. And, oh my uh, gosh. So I did not know how to do hair and I faked it till I made it. And so you were doing hair and makeup, right? But they said in order for me to go on tour and take the job, I hadn't do hair. So I lied and I said, I knew how to do it. My mate always says blag now, worry later. And you did that and it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. We say, um, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I did. And um, it was just immediately a whirlwind after that. And Brittany, you know, as her star blew up, so did me as, you know, makeup artist. It was, I was like on that ride with her and we were creating iconic looks and doing, you know, I, it's like, I didn't realize what was happening when it was happening. Um, yeah, you literally created looks that girls still create every Halloween. <laughs> uh, yeah, which Years is on. funny because that was not um, obvious to me until a few years ago, till Instagram. Like, I never, <laughs> I never told anybody I did the denim. You know, I did the makeup for that because I always thought, oh my god, that look is so cheesy. Blah blah blah. And then um, one of my assistants said, "You did the denim look." I said, yeah. Honestly, I'm like, I'm starstruck that I'm speaking to someone who played a part in that iconic image, the Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, double denim, red carpet moment. <laughs> Everybody knows what picture I'm talking about. Yeah, but it was funny because I thought it was so, you know, silly and cheesy. And she said, that's iconic. And then I realized, you know, with social media that, that, um, oh my God, everybody's creating this look for Halloween. And wow, that I was instrumental. And in this. You, you know. did that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I did that. So then I started claiming it. But there were a lot of things that um, we did together that I was like, I, I might not want people to know I did that. 
<laughs> and now in hindsight you're owning it yeah were you in the early days ever nervous of working around someone like Britney because I, I know you said she wasn't a big deal but if you kind of launched yourself onto this world tour and you're like okay I'm, I'm all right at makeup I don't know how I sit with hair how do you handle those nerves any elements of imposter syndrome oh gosh I did not have imposter syndrome um with her. I've had it in other areas, not with clients though, which I can get to later. But with um, Brittany, I was always comfortable and we were close, closer in age, you know, than the other makeup artists. And we just really got on and it felt like I was working with a friend. You know, I felt like, oh my God, I'm getting paid to do this. It was more like that sort of thing. Um, and it was frustrating when I couldn't do the bigger jobs, when her manager would say, no, we need, need to bring in the bigger makeup artists to do these things. You know, that those things were frustrating to me, but yeah, it never felt like I shouldn't be there if, you know, that's what you were asking. Yeah. Like it always felt like I, I belonged there. The money, you know, at first the money felt like, whoa, I'm getting paid to do this. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like you owned it and it sounds like you delivered. So therefore there wasn't a need for imposter syndrome because you nailed it. Yeah. And you know, Brittany made it feel like comfortable. And I remember very early on, she had said to, um, cause I, I was supposed to do one of the Rolling Stone covers and, you know, you know, back in the day, the manager was like, oh, she's the assistant. She shouldn't be doing that. And she said, Jules does the makeup better. You know, and like he stood, <laughs> you haven't seen what Jules can do with the tools. <laughs> yeah, it was more like like a pecking, like a hierarchy back in the day. Like, well, if she's doing your makeup for tours, she cannot possibly work with Mark Seliger and do Rolling Stone cover. And that's when Brittany mm. took up for me, and she said, "Well, Jules does makeup better than my other makeup artists. Like, why why can't she do it? You know." So I always felt like very, you know, um, like I'm I was okay to be there, you know. I didn't know it was possible, but I just fell even more in love with Britney Spears <laughs> with that anecdote. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was like, thank you for sticking up for me. <laughs> and it did really me. validate. Yeah, it really validated um, me a lot. So This series of the podcast is a little bit dissimilar to series one and two in the respect that we're still here bigging up the people who work behind the stars, but we're looking at people who were doing it in the 90s and noughties. And You've mentioned Britney there. I've seen the pictures of you two wearing the Von Dutch caps. I've seen the photos <laughs> of you on tour with Mariah. The iconic images. In a world of makeup, like what has changed? I'm guessing it's less glitter, less blue eyeshadow, ultimately. Actually, no, I would disagree. I think there's... Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I feel like makeup has more um, runway now, if you will. Like I think anything goes and people are having fun with it and embracing it. I feel like um, back in the day, you know, I used to pitch shows for makeover stuff. And, um, you know, I, I always knew our industry was really big and other people didn't really receive it that way. And there were always more rules than uh, anything. But now I feel like when you see shows like Euphoria and Bridgerton mm. and I feel like people really are embracing the artistic side of makeup now where you don't walk down the street and go okay well you can't do that you know I feel like anything goes and people are really having fun with makeup um, more outside of the box than we ever have 
Like, yeah, we're, and has, we have trends, of course, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, there's a longer net to cast as well, you know? What do you think about maybe like the NAR beauty standards? Do you think they've got higher over the years? Because obviously we're using things like social media and we can all use filters on our photos. You can, I don't know, there's more sort of tweakments available than ever before. Do you think the pressure for women to look hotter than ever, no matter what their age is higher? Or do you think that's a pressure that has always existed? Um, I think that pressure has always existed. It just makes me sad that you know, I see a lot more body dysmorphia now than ever as far as, um, you know, look, hey, I'm all about Botox, a little filler. I think that's all great. I love a filter as well. I always tweak my photos. But, you know, there's there's people that are like going under the knife that look crazy. And I just don't mm. understand why these dot like I, it's the pillow face, you know, like you just see like all these people, they're like stuffing their faces with crap that they don't even really need it you know it's like the same ski slope rhinoplasty and the filler and the lips and then the skinny waist and the boot like I don't know I just feel like people they all look like they came off an assembly line so to me that is sad but I do love all the um treatments and you know things like that that are available for us to keep looking better Mm -hmm. and younger because you obviously worked with a young Britney Spears, Britney in her early 20s. I know you've worked with sort of Gigi Hadid, Bella Hadid, yeah. Kylie, Kendall Jenner when they were particularly young. So do you see almost like a different element for, or maybe there's just more available, more availability of treatments that they can get? Or do you think social media has added that level of like, God, I always need to look exceptional, incredible, immaculate? It's both. And, you know, in some cases, some people look better with the fox eyes and what it like. You know, I'm not going to call out names because I still see <laughs> these clients, but there's certain clients that I know that have like done a lot of things to their face that have put them on the map where otherwise if they didn't, they wouldn't be on the map, you know? So yeah, it's, it always feels, I guess like some people would say that people are faking it in some way. Yes, okay. th- that's not you. <laughs> this is the thing. I have very mixed emotions about this because in one way, you're like, well, that's fraud. <laughs> you know, like you're not really that beautiful. <laughs> but then at the same token, you know, whether or not it's you're going into the gym and you're working out, fighting your genetics, you know, there's everybody I think isn't allowed to do things to make themselves look and feel better. But then that's for the sure. Same and token, these treatments exist. You need money for that. Yeah, And it can make yeah, people feel it. bad about themselves. But you know, it's funny. Brittany always used to say, I'm not responsible for your children. You know? So it's yeah. like if you're a celebrity, you know, and you're doing all this plastic surgery, it's really not their responsibility, you know, to make your children feel a certain way. Yeah, no, I hear that. And I also hear then the other perspective of the parents saying they're a role model. It's a complicated situation. It's very nuanced, (laughs) yes, because, you know, you also have to like, like for me, I get Botox. I I love Botox because it makes me feel better, makes me look younger. It doesn't, you know what I mean? I, I, I need to do that for myself. You know, so we're... And ultimately, we live in a world where that is the beauty standard for lots of women. And if you can afford it and it makes you feel good, then you'll face your rules, right? Exactly. So it's that's a very loaded question. 
because I, I feel like <laughs> I feel a lot of ways about the answer to that. You yeah, know? it's not it's not black and white. Exactly. <laughs> you, you mentioned that iconic Britney double denim outfit. I read that the makeup for that took you thirty minutes to do. From speaking to other makeup artists, I know that they're sometimes doing hours in the chair with celebrities. Was it more just like, I don't know, ad hoc, on the go, like do what we can when we can? <laughs> okay, so the, <laughs> the whole story to that <laughs> is um, I like had less time than that. Um, it, I remember it was raining that day. I was wearing these high heel boots. There was no parking pass for me. And so you know, there was no reception down in the green room where, where Brittany was with security. I had, the whole thing was a mess. I had to park like a mile away, run in the rain, big Rob and I are running down the street. So by the time I got there, I had like 20 minutes before she was going on the carpet. So I had no choice, but to just do what I could. That's why there's like no lashes. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to go look back at the picture and zoom in on the lashes. Yeah, actually the makeup was pretty um, light because I didn't really have a chance to overthink it and overdo it. But yes, I like to say I like to have two hours. <laughs> in <a perfect laughs> two world. hours. You worked with Brittany between 1999 and 2004. And in that time, you obviously did the baby one more time. Oops, I did it again. Way through to... I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, my personal favorite, mm -hmm. the I'm a slave for you era. The looks really switched it up over years. What is, is it possible to pick a favorite Britney look that you did? Oh God, no. Well, I didn't do all of those that you're naming. I did do the Baby One More Time tour and the Oops tour. So then I did Hawaii and I did the denim and then I did, I'm trying to think the iconic looks, the fedora hat, the crazy, um, uh, pink and tie-dye for billboard. But I'd say one of my favorite looks would be the one where, um, oh God, it was for VH1, where she's in the sparkly outfit. Yeah. And she gets on the floor and she's shaking around. That would be one of my favorites. Cause like we went on tour and she was staying with me for a little bit and I was boxing and she brought my boxing trainer on tour. So her body was the best it ever looked. <laughs> Yeah. So we need to take up boxing if we want those washboard abs. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say that was one of my, my favorite looks with Brittany. Is it a bit, most of us, I guess, will, well, not even I guess, most of us, it's a fact, will never go on a tour with a pop star, will never travel the world with a pop star. Do you look back on some moments and just have, be like, that was bonkers, that that was my life. And I'm sort of, it was my job for however many months to get around a whole cart of mascara and eyeshadow and brushes so I could follow around like the pop star of the moment. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's really surreal. And I think of all those silly things I did too, when we were touring and that I would never do now, like, like in Rio de Janeiro, jumping off a cliff, hang gliding with some <laughs> random dude, like. Yeah, I would never do that now. Um, we did crazy things like, uh, <laughs> I can't even say, but, you know, in Amsterdam, we did crazy things. And, um, you did your thing. We did our thing, yeah, yeah. You got to know the city like a local. That was all you were doing. Yeah, I actually wrote a book called Pop-Tart um, that, you know, it's a Ramona clay, so it's, it's thinly veiled, uh, you know, uh, about the stories, you know, with Brittany and stuff like that. So adding that to my to my reading list. <laughs> yeah, you can kind okay. of figure out who who's who. 
I guess you mentioned the Rolling Stones cover earlier. I guess one thing that has shifted since the 90s is the way we kind of speak about women. And I don't know, sort of Britney herself reflected on times where she felt over-sexualized. I know the Rolling Stones cover was an example of that. Are you able, do you think, to like look back at the 90s, noughties, certain situations with a new kind of pair of glasses on, a new lens of what's okay, and maybe reflect on some of those situations back then? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I don't, that's also a loaded question because, you know, that's how Britney, like, that's how girls dressed back in the day. We, and it was the, the thing of the time. There was nothing, we didn't raise eyebrows on it because it was the norm. Right, right. You know, I think a lot of things are a sign of the times and you could look back and go, whoa, like, I wouldn't do that now. Um, but back then it was okay. And, you know, we all like wore midriffs and had our belly buttons pierced and, I guess you could look back that now and go, wow, 14-year-olds shouldn't dress like that. It's over hyper-sexualized. But then I look at the little kids on TikTok now doing dances that are nine years old and thrusting their hips. And I'm like, well, that's over-sexualized to me. You know, so mm-hmm. I think yeah. every generation has its, um, the generation before looks back and goes, whoa. <laughs> I guess I can't chat to you without mentioning the conservatorship. I guess you worked with her before it came into place, but seeing someone so close go through that, that must have been tough. Yeah, it was really tough. I um, talked to her. Last time I talked to her, we were both pregnant with our first kid. And um, she seemed a little like sad. I don't know. It was definitely different. And then, you know, just like everybody else, I watched her kind of go crazy and smash the window with the umbrella and shave her head. And I was like, really sad as a friend, you know, like what's going on. And then um, her being carted out on a gurney to an ambulance. So, you know, all that, I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised to see her come back and go to work so quickly. You know, that, and I said that from day one, I said to my husband, and then when she first came back to TV so quickly, um, I looked at her eyes and I said, lights are on, but nobody's home. Like you could, she had this, like ever since she had come back from that breakdown, had this weird glazed, like sprung eye look to Mm. her, like, like soul. It was weird. I don't know. And I, I had said to my husband, like, Sue, something's wrong. And, you know, for 13 years, something was wrong. And I went to go see her in Vegas and Felicia was like, oh, Jules, it's just not the same. And, you know, and blah, 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 this and that. I won't say what she said, but, you know, it was just sad. And when I watched her on the stage um, versus when I was on tour with her, it was like um, a puppet, you know, she just, Mm. she just was like not really there. So I don't know if they have her on the wrong medication or something like there's something wrong. And if you're under a conservatorship where you are treated like a a vegetable, basically, why are you able to work? And, you Mm -hmm. know, I've had friends that worked during the conservatorship and there are some wacky ass stories, like really wacky things. So based on everything that I've heard and then seeing her, I knew that something nefarious was going on. Um, but who am I to go out and boldly make a claim like that? You know? So um, when she was talking to the judge, it was the first time I heard her sound so sober, Um, not like drugs. I mean, just like sober, like 
her voice was deeper. It was like the Britney. Yeah, it was sincere. Yeah. She was like, your honor. And when I was listening to her, I was like, oh my God, she's she's back. (laughs) Yeah, your girl is coming back. (laughs) It was nice to hear her so lucid and in control. And when she said that they were putting her on lithium and all these things, it was like it validated what I was saying all these years. I was like, yeah, your story adds up. Yeah. I knew it because I know her. I know her so well. It it it's the the thing that really blows my mind is how they did it so um (laughs) so brazen, you know, out in public with her. And it was, it was entirely public. Now when you see her on the other side, do you feel like the lights are back on? She's released that new track with Elton John. Is Britney back? Uh, no, I don't think she's back. I think she's got a ways to go. Um, but, you know, it is it is interesting. I hope she sues the shit out of all of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, may, and I hope there are laws moving forward to protect people like yeah. her. Or that it might be in her position in the future. Um but like, I don't think she's totally recovered. I mean, it's like she, like she even said herself, it was like she was trafficked. Um, so I think she's probably scarred a little bit. It's going to take her a minute to get back. Let's take it back to you. I read a caption uh, that was speaking about your time with Brittany. And you said some of the things, some of the times you messed up, other times it was the most amazing work you've ever done. Give me an idea of what it's like to mess up at a day at work. How do you, because with makeup, if you mess up, is that like you're sending... Britney out on a red carpet, someone out on a photo shoot and their eyes, they're sort of like the eyeliner wings are mismatched. What is it like? How does one mess up? <laughs> oh, God. Well, with Britney, it always was something to do with hair. Like it was never really makeup. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had situations where, you know, you're working quickly with hair and they jerk the hair while, you know, head while you're doing eyeliner or maybe too much powder under the eye and you just get really sad (laughs) when you see the pictures come out on Getty and you're like, no, (laughs) I did that. (laughs) Like, um, oops. Oops, I did it again. (laughs) Yeah. Oops, I did it again. But you know, like, like, uh, I don't know who did Nicole Kidman's makeup. And remember when she had all that powder under her eyes? I'm sure it was like, I don't know who it was, but I'm sure that they just crawled on, you know, under their pillows for three days. But you know, yeah, it's got airplane mode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, things happen. Sometimes you try new products and and they don't hold up as well. And, you know, everyone's human. They make mistakes. And is there an art? Because I imagine that you, you're surrounded by big personalities. Some would say there's dealers in the industry. How do you find your voice and your authority? Maybe perhaps when somebody is saying, oh, I really want my makeup like this. And you, in your head, have looked at their face, have looked at their outfit. Perhaps you don't think it's going to work. How do you navigate that situation? So, you know, you pick and choose your battles. Um, I always find that makeup and hair and styling, it's, it, well, it's, it's a collaboration. So, you know, I, I did something recently where I felt strongly about not doing a red lip on this client. Um, and she was all in Dior because she was wearing a mask a lot. And I, I just know that from experience, taking the mask on and off, no matter how, you know, matte the lip is, it will get all over the place. So, you know, I was really trying to fight that battle, but they won. So, of course, late, later on, at the end of the day, her lipstick was all over her face. I was like, I was right. 
I told you, know? you so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for the most part, I just sort of feel it out if the client has um, – usually they don't really always have a strong direction. They just want to look really pretty. So um, <laughs> Yeah, that would be my goal. <laughs> I don't yeah. care what you do, do as long as I look all right. <laughs> yeah, and I'll always have a few suggestions and let them, you know, see what they're leaning towards. But if I if there's a client that's really leaning towards something, I know that if I fight them too hard, they're not going to be happy. You know, How does collaboration work within like, okay, so you have the hair team, you have the makeup team, you have the stylists. If you're doing a photographer, if you're working sort of on a photo shoot, there'll be the photographer as well. How does that look all come together? Sometimes we'll get on a conference call if it's a really big shoot. Like I just did a Harper's Bazaar shoot um, where we all were on a conference call and um, talked about exactly how we wanted you know, things to be and to look and the hair and the makeup. Um, and then sometimes you'll get a mood board the night before. And sometimes you do it on set. <laughs> so, you know, I generally like to look at the clothes and the vibe of what the magazine is. And then I will usually talk to hair and say, what are you thinking? So, you know, if it's a really like structured hair pullback moment, sometimes I'll suggest more severe makeup, like let the makeup have its moment. Or are we building up to a look? So we all just sort of powwow together you know, styling, hair, makeup, photographer, and just spitball ideas and land on something. You've worked with so many celebrities from Mariah Carey to Beyonce. I mentioned the Hadids earlier, some of the um, Jenners. I know you now work a lot with Kelly Osbourne. What is the one thing you've learned about sort of working with high profile clients and I guess you're constantly in quite frantic situations with them. How do you maintain some Zen in there? Hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd say. Or do you not? Do you bring the party? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, we always have the Zen when we're getting ready. Um, It's never like too hectic. Yeah. I think like when you're in the makeup chair, it's, it's the calm before the storm. You know, um, and usually, like I was saying earlier, we'll get like a good two hours and we put music on and we just talk and, you know, it's like, it's uh, fun usually. It's not usually very stressful, to be honest. That's good because I've interviewed people before who say sometimes you're kind of, if you're on a flight somewhere, the flight's delayed and the red carpet has non-negotiable time as to what time it starts. So you're frantically getting ready in the back of a car or whatever. Oh yeah, that's happened before, but that's not the norm. I've had to do makeup in a car and let me tell you, that is (sighs) That's a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. I can't. If I um, I think I'm absolutely awful at putting on eyeliner anyway. Let alone if I'm in it like a vehicle that is wobbling and I'm doing it on someone else's face. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I've had those scenarios where they're like, they're flying in. Just get get them in the car. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, but that's really not the normal uh, situation. Out of all the looks you've done in your entire career, this is not just Britney all of the celebrities you've worked with, is there an image that you always kind of think back to in your head and you're like super, super proud? Oh my God. That's like asking me to pick which child I like the best. How many children have you got? I got two boys. Okay, you can pick two favorites then. 
It's funny. Some of the things I'm most proud of are things that didn't really make it into a magazine. <laughs> okay. I shot Leslie Ann Brandt for um, L India and I dabble in photography. I say a dabble. Um, but this was like a whole beauty spread. And um, I did like a watercolor eye, which was really cool. Like that whole, it was a beauty spread. And I'm really proud of that because I shot it as well. So yeah, um, it was you owned the first, that whole project. Yeah, I owned that whole project. I, so I could say, yeah, I've been published in Elle magazine <laughs> as Check a photographer. <laughs> But, uh, and how I guess like back in the day no one will be able to compare to this feeling but like you go with Britney to a video shoot you're shooting with a celebrity of Harper's Bazaar when you actually see that video go out or you're going to your local supermarket and you see that magazine on the shelves how does that make you feel does the novelty ever wear off of thinking I was part of that project it never wears off but I will be honest with you I hate everything I ever do. Like, no. so that's why when you, <laughs> so I always get really bummed out whenever something comes out. Cause you know, you build this thing up in your mind of what it's going to look like and it's never what I want it to be. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> yeah. That, so, that must be why you're so successful because the bar for yourself is so, so high. I'm chuffed with anything I do. <laughs> I you swear the to God, I've never picked up a cover of mine and went, yeah, you know, maybe the Harper's Bazaar cover I just did with Leslie Ann. Um, it's pretty, but I was like, oh, that's what they went with. I always think that. <laughs> oh, that's what they went with. Yeah. So I'm so never the solution satisfied. is you opening your own magazine and you having entire control, I think is the solution here. <laughs> probably. Yes. I, that's probably <laughs> why I, I started doing photography because I, well, I know it is. I like being in control, you know, cause like we, we all see th di things differently. Like we, I did this numero shoot with a client and for the cover, it's a black and white shot of her in silhouette far away on the beach and I was like why <laughs> like, you need to zoom in have you seen the lashes I've given her yeah I was like you can't even tell it's her <laughs> yeah so you know, that, I feel like that's just like some weird cosmic bad karma or something I'm like will I ever I think, get like yeah I think you cover? need to start you will get the perfect cover and you're going to do it by really training to be a hairstylist, training to be a <laughs> photographer, doing the wardrobe as well. So you can absolutely nail it wholeheartedly thinking I chose the right shot. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> you have been such a star. Thank you so much for giving me your time. We always end the podcast asking for a piece of wisdom you've been given from someone you've worked with. I don't know, over the years, you must have met some incredible, incredible people. Just a bit of wisdom that you live by, you kind of revisit in your mind, maybe during stressful moments. Any kind of advice that you want to share with our listeners? You know, at the end of the day, I think that owning it and being confident, that's really what helps make you a successful person. Um, you know, you asked me some questions early on. I didn't really touch down on this. But when I'm with clients, um, you always have to come in with this you know, like confidence, you, you're owning your expertise. I think that really helps make you successful and it helps people trust you. And that's like all the great ones, Orbe, everybody I've worked with in the past that is super successful. There's something about them, 
you know, so once you start practicing. They have an aura that, and you trust that. You want to be around it and you trust it. Right. And then the, the minute you stop feeling imposter syndrome, you'll start to feel really uh, successful. Is when you shine. Yeah. Jules, thank you so much. I have absolutely loved chatting with you, hearing all your anecdotes, hearing all your all your stories. Thank you so, so much. Of course. No problem. <laughs> it was great talking to you too. A big, big thanks to Jules for chatting. If you want to keep up with her work, you can find her on Insta at Julianne K. If you're still listening, I want to say a big thanks to you too. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please leave a little review, maybe send it to a mate and subscribe to Who You Don't See on your usual podcast app. You can also pay us a visit next week when I'll be chatting to Danilo Dixon, the man responsible for Gwen Stefani's hair. We talk space buns and maintaining that platinum blonde. We'll see you then. 